0: When we leave the church house on days like today, we ought to leave with hope and awe and gratitude because of what God has done for us. And today is one of those sermons, so get ready. We've made our way to the end of maybe one of the most incredible chapters in all the Bible, chapter 8 of Romans. Speaking of the verses that we will read today, the, the great old preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, surely there's nothing greater or more wonderful in the whole of Scripture. Didn't that get you excited about what we're about to read? You know, I was thinking about all the things on earth that we can lose or be separated from. You know, you lose your keys or your wallet, you know, kind of small things. Until Then the bigger things, you know, you could lose your job or you could lose your health. You can even be separated from a spouse or even be separated from someone, a close loved one, because of an untimely, unexpected death. You know, there's a lot of loss and separation on earth that we go through, that we experience, But here's what happens. Oftentimes we come into Christianity having experienced all these kinds of loss and separation from things that are important to us. We know how much work it is in order to stay connected to something or especially someone, right? And so it's natural, I think, we would attempt to bring that that way of thinking into our relationship with God, but God doesn't work that way. You know, we, We think we need to work in order to get his love. We think that there's like some kind of like couples therapy, you know, that I better fill up God's bucket so that when I do something he doesn't like, there still be enough there to balance it out, right? Or that we could even lose our salvation once we have it. So we feel like we have to walk around on eggshells really careful. You know, we don't want to blow it. We don't want him to change his mind about us. Like we're some kind of late round draft pick that didn't cost him anything. And if it doesn't work out, he'll just release us, you know. Here's the deal. Even though we can lose or be separated from just about everything or anyone here on earth, we can never lose or be separated from God's love for us because of Jesus Christ. This is is one of those doctrines that helps us to build our Christian faith, this doctrine or idea of assurance. You might have heard it be called the perseverance of the saints. The absolute certainty that all who are justified by faith will, in fact, be glorified. So let's read today. Romans 8, and I hope you're there by now. Verses 35 to 39 as we finish this incredible chapter. God's word says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. I pray that we would receive it as your word. Not any kind of idea made up by man, but your truth revealed about yourself to us, your people, through your living and active word. Father, I pray that we would understand it correctly. And I pray that you would apply it to our lives powerfully. Amen. Here's the main idea today. I want you to get this on your notes there before we go any further. Because our salvation is based on God's love for us in Christ, there is absolutely nothing that can take that salvation away. Okay, let me read that again. Give you time to get that written down in your journal. Because our salvation is based on God's love for us in Christ, there is absolutely nothing that can take that salvation away. So that leads us, though, to a couple, I think, um, important but also natural questions that a human would ask after hearing that. The first question is this. All right, you say nothing can separate us, Pastor Brian. Here's a question for you. What if we fail? What if we fail? very natural what if we fail you know my son Brax plays golf it's like the most failing sport he could have picked (laughs) (laughs) I mean no golfer plays good every day it's impossible we know a lot about failure look at verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ I think the first thing we need to do is answer this question well who is this us Who is the us that Paul is talking about? Is he he talking about all people that have ever been created in complete history? No one could ever be separated from God's love? I don't think so. I think he's talking about a specific group of people. Who shall separate us? The us is, is, is a special group that he's talking about. Those who are Christians. Look back a few verses earlier at verses 29 and 30. Look at who he's been talking about. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So the us is those that God had foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. That's important. The love of God that you cannot be separated from is a love designated for those who have placed their trust in the blood of Jesus. That's important for us to believe that. He is the only way to the Father. And I know that offends some, maybe even some in this room today, I don't know. But if the God that you say you worship is not concerned with sin, is not wrathful towards sin, will not judge sin then your God is not the God of my book. Your God is a God of your own making that satisfies what you really want in a God or what you think he should be like. So the first thing is this, the us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, is Christians, those who have been adopted by God. And you say, okay, okay, I I believe you. It's just the Christians, okay? But here's my question again, Pastor Brian. What if we fail? What if the Christians fail? What if we mess it up? What if we don't show ourselves to be worthy of this great love that he has so freely poured out to us? The other part of the answer is that the love of Christ does not mean our love for Christ, but his love for us. <laughs> yeah, that's amen. That love is what has drawn us to him. Who can pull us away from that? It does not depend on us at all. You see, Paul is not asking can our love for Christ stand these difficulties here but rather can the love of Christ for us stand against these difficulties and when you ask the question that way it changes the whole situation doesn't it look at verse 37 we're going to get there later but he says no in all these things we are more than conquerors what through him who what <laughs> loved us through him who loved us that we receive victory Notice that this is past tense. Paul does not say him who loves us, but through him that loved us. Paul does this on purpose because he's reminding us that our Lord Jesus died for us. And he already told us back in chapter 5, he did this while we were what? Still sinners. They've been listening, Sid, all these weeks. They've been listening. So if Christ did that for us while we were still enemies, while we were against him, while we were his opponents... How much more will he now through his life continue to save us until we are finally glorified now that we are part of the family? Look at verse 34. Go back to last week. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Paul has reminded us Christ is now in heaven interceding for us. Nothing can separate us from that love because it is his love for us. It's an all-powerful, unchanging, never-ending love. Paul talks about this love of God um, to to his friends in Ephesians. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Okay, Take notes. Hux tells these teenagers, note-takers are world changers, okay? You got you to do that. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Why did Christ love the church? The answer is that he would clean us, sanctify us with the washing of water by the word so that he can present us to himself as a glorious church, spotless, without blemish or any such thing. Holy. Okay. He died for his church so that he could ultimately present his church to himself as perfect and holy. That's why we cannot fail. Because it depends on his love for us. What he has already done for us and what he continues to do for us until it is perfectly complete. So this list of things here back in Romans 8, some things that Paul himself had already experienced. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, even death, the sword, will not separate us from the love of Christ. I'm a starter, okay? I like new projects and ideas. I want to get in on the ground floor of things. I like to to be excited about something new. I also like the idea of whatever the thing is, what it would look like one day when it's finished. I don't always finish things, though, that I start. I get busy. I don't know if you are like that. I get busy with something else, okay? And that thing I started gets bumped down to, uh, you know, a different priority in my list. Sometimes I'll start something, and then two years later, Brooke will call a neighbor to come finish it. (laughs) (laughs) Personality problem. But church family, hear me say this, okay? Hear me say this. Salvation is not some sort of pet project for God. No. Whatever God sets out to accomplish, he finishes. Every single time. So the next thing is this. It says that, okay, we are now in the middle of all these things, these hard times. He says we're more than conquerors? Okay, that sounds great. Then I have this question naturally. But how? How can we be more than conquerors? Look at verse 36. Paul is quoting here from Psalm 44. He says, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul has experienced himself, and he knows that even for us in the future, these troubles and trials will come because we are Christians sometimes. Because we're Christians. A new life in Jesus, please hear me say this, does not promise a life of ease. A life with more savings and less debt, you know, a better relationship with your neighbors and a life with no problems. Rather, the New Testament teaches us that life with Jesus is most likely going to be the opposite of all of that. Right. Paul says, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. Early Christians were severely persecuted because they were Christians. And Christians today who live a life according to God's word and his ways will most likely at some point also be persecuted. It's a matter of fact. But what does he say next? Look at verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. I love that, man. It sounds like something that a coach would say right before we rush the field. And I love that because... God does not enable us just to reach heaven by the skin of our teeth. He's not helping us just to barely hold on while we're here on earth. Paul says that we are more than conquerors. The Christian man or woman does not merely stand up to this list of trials. He or she demolishes them. And this includes everything, even the sword, which is death. Everything that can possibly come against us is included, that we would be more than conquerors. But again, I got to ask. Well, how does this work? Because I don't know about you, but for me, there's been plenty of days where I feel like way less than a conqueror when I am faced with hard times. Have you ever felt like way less than a conqueror? Whether uh, how I handle temptations, health issues, money issues, relationships, basically any kind of struggle. But here's the deal. The situation changes when we look at it differently, when we realize there's three things that allow us to be more than conquerors. I want you to write these down. When we're faced with these things, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Number one, these things remind us of our connection with Christ. When we are faced with persecution, I want you to be reminded that you are now connected to Christ even more than you were before. These things remind us, this persecution reminds us that because we are Christians, we're receiving the same treatment that Christ received. Look back in chapter 8, verse 17. Okay, just turn the page back maybe. Verse 17 says, and if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, listen to this, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That doesn't really sound like everything I signed up for. Pastor Brian, I was signing up for the good Christian life. I don't know. Provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. When we face persecution, we need not get down. Rather, it belongs us. We don't belong here. We are citizens of another kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. It helps us to see the world's true colors and reminds us we're no longer part of that world. But we have been transferred to God's kingdom as God's children. One of my closest friends in all the world is a missionary in a part of the world where it's really hard to be a missionary and be a Christian. And there was a day a handful of years ago where he called me and he told me what he had recently walked through. A time of severe physical abuse and persecution almost to the point of death. A time of being falsely accused even in front of the officials and the police because he's a Christian. And by the time we walked through all of this, what it meant and and how he got through it and all the things and what was the next step and all of that, you know one of the things he said to me, he said, I just kind of I'm amazed that God would consider me worthy to suffer like this. Why? Because he was reminded now his connection with Christ is deeper than it had ever been. Because he knew Christ more in his sufferings. When we face these kinds of persecutions and trials because we are Christians, we should be reminded of our connection to Christ. And when we do that, we will be more than conquerors. The second thing I want you to think of is this. These things, we can be more than conquerors in all these things. These things force us to look forward to our future glory. When we face trials and difficulties of any kind, rather than getting upset about it, we look to the future. We look to our hope. The reason that we have that peace and rest in us if we're believers. Because we know that one day there will be no more struggle. And when we look to our future glory, no matter what struggle that we are in the middle of, we can be more than conquer in that because instead of it winning of over us, we have victory over it because we know where our hope lies. Takes us right back to verse 18. Ch- chapter 8 is so fantastic. You should just read it every day. <laughs> verse 18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us man if you are having a bad day read romans eight eighteen. for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is ahead of me and when trials shift our minds to the glory that is waiting for us in the future the trials become like nothing so we are more than conquerors The third way that we change our mind about how we look at these hard times so that we can be more than conquerors is that we are reminded that God gives us special strength to face these things. He supernaturally empowers us to deal with difficult times. For the Christian, even death itself can minister to our glory. The Apostle Paul knew this when talking about death. He said to die is gain. To die is to be with Christ, which is far better, he said far better and we know this i mean when you attend the funeral of someone who you knew was part of god's family it's a much different experience than when you go to a funeral of someone who never trusted jesus before they died don't you know that different feeling it's because there's no hope in that room that day that's a really hard thing to be a part of but because we know the one who holds our future in his hands we have strength To face all these things. So church family, these three things. When persecution comes, know that you are closer to Christ because you are suffering like he suffered. When you face trials of any kind here on earth, focus on your future glory when every tear will be wiped away. And even if you find yourself face to face with death, have peace in your heart and mind because you will soon be in the presence of your Savior. And when thinking these things like that, you will be more than conquerors, no matter what struggles or trials you face. The last thing today is this: we can be certain of our salvation. We can be certain of our salvation when we walk people through the baptism class before they get baptized. After they've made this decision to be uh, to, to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. One of the last things I asked them after session one is, are you sure, are you certain that God has saved you and that you will one day be with him in heaven? And even after we've talked through all this incredible scripture after session one, a lot of times people are like, I, I, I think. No, no, no. I said, are you sure? Are you certain? Remember what we just got done reading over here? Because there's this thing inside of us that makes us think somehow we're just going to fall short because we're not thinking that it's based on His love for us rather than our love for Him. Look at verses 38 and 39. Two of the best verses ever. For I am sure, underline the word sure, persuaded, certain, whatever your version says there, underline it really hard. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all. He just runs out of stuff to say. So it's like in anything else, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul answers his question from verse 35 with absolute certainty that nothing can ever separate God's people from his love in Christ. He said, I am persuaded. I am certain because of the truth revealed by God himself, because of the evidence laid out by God himself, I have come to a conclusion. Paul did not persuade himself. God has done it. And what is Paul certain of? Of what is he persuaded? That things are looking up. That things are about to turn around for me. No, this is not what he's teaching. Paul gives no indication at all that he ever expects to be delivered from his troubles and trials. In fact, Paul was murdered. Murdered because of his Christianity. Just like many of the early Christians and even Christians around the world today where being a Christian is illegal. No, what Paul is certain of is that nothing will ever separate him from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord Put big circle around in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice that he kind of added that in this time. Look at it. Look at your Bible, verse 39. Separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why Why does he add that this time? You see, there were many people then, as there are now, who say that they believe in the love of God. They believe in a God that loves. But they are not Christians because why? They reject the gospel. They do not believe in a God who would ever be wrathful against sin. A God who would have to punish sin because he is holy and just. They do not believe in a God who would send his own son to a cross. To them, the message of the gospel is ridiculous. (laughs) Paul says that the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there is no love of God that can be known except through Christ Jesus our Lord. John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible, makes this very clear. He says, "God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, the Son that was sent, should not perish, but have everlasting life." This clearly shows that God's love is always in and through Christ Jesus. That's how God manifests His love to us through Christ Jesus. Now, I know I'm supposed to be careful here. I apologize for getting so excited. But if I am going to truthfully teach the the Scripture, I have to let you know God's love is reserved for those who are in Christ because His love comes through Christ. And on the last day, everyone else will be under God's wrath. They will be enemies against Him. And yes, they will kneel at the name of Jesus, but then they will be separated from God's love for eternity. The assurance of our salvation comes only when we know that we are in Christ. It's the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to come to the Father except through him. Again, Paul is certain because the love we cannot be separated from is God's love to us, which is shown in Christ Jesus our Lord. What matters is God's love to us, not our love to God. Our love is weak, Our love is oftentimes conditional. Our love comes and goes. But my salvation does not depend on me, but it depends on God's love for me. Again, Lloyd-Jones, he says this about salvation is based not upon my frail grasp of him, but upon his strong grasp of me. Man, I love that. There is nothing I could do to lose my salvation because even if I get weak in my grasp of him, he holds me so strongly to never let go. And it's not only the Apostle Paul that teaches this, but also the Apostle Peter. Look with me quickly at 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Very small book of the Bible at the very end of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. This is what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Man, you should memorize those three verses. The power of God is what keeps us. Nothing else is strong enough. Our effort is certainly not strong enough to keep us in God's graces. Only his power is strong enough to keep us and to guard our salvation. An inheritance that is imperishable. There is an inheritance that one day I might get or you might get from a relative that passes away. But you know what? If they spend all that inheritance before they die, you will get nothing. There is no way that we are not going to receive this inheritance from God that has been set aside for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No way. Jeremiah 31.3, God says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. You ought to say that every morning you wake up. God, I know you have loved me with an everlasting love. Whatever I face today, I have that to start. There's no end to God's love. Everlasting. And our God has not changed, thankfully. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is because of God's never-ending love that we can be certain of our salvation. When Chrysostom, I don't know if you've heard that name, Sid used it just recently. Chrysostom was one of our early church fathers, and once he was brought before the Roman emperor, and the emperor threatened him with banishment if he would remain a Christian. I want you to listen to this exchange between Chrysostom, the church father, and the Roman emperor. You cannot banish me. For this world is my father's house, but I will slay you, said the emperor. No, you cannot, said the noble champion of the faith, for my life is hid with Christ in God. I will take away your treasures. No, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. But I will drive you away from man and you shall have no friend left. No, you cannot do that. For I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, for there is nothing that you can do to hurt me. Chrysostom was persuaded. The apostle Paul was persuaded. And I can say with them that I am persuaded today that nothing in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. The question is this. Are you persuaded? Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that because of him and his death on the cross and his blood shed for our sin, that we could be made right with you again. Something we could never have accomplished on our own. And that because of that, because it is your idea, your plan, your work, we could never lose it. We didn't deserve it in the first place. You graciously gave it to us. Father, I pray that we would live this life certain that we are part of your family, that we would live this life and go out each day as a light into darkness because we know the light that shines through us. Let us never doubt. And when we are weak and we begin to, Father, remind us of who you are and that this whole thing started because of your love for us. Your love never fails. Amen.